Uh, welcome to Parallel Fits, the podcast where we talk about all things music related and uh, give you some updates on different albums that have released. My name's Chris Kaufman. Welcome, welcome. This is Stephen Mertinen. Here we are with another episode of the Parallel Fits podcast. Got some good music for you guys today. Yeah, yeah, some really good music today. I'm excited about. Um, so we're we're looking at stuff from September on this release, and uh, yeah, it it was just a it's an interesting month. I think um, we'll be talking about two really interesting projects. First, Public Enemies, what you're gonna do when the grid go down, uh, which is their latest album in like. I don't know, seven years or something crazy like that. Um, yeah. And then Microphones in 2020 by Microphones, who haven't put out a piece under that name in, I think, close to seven years as well, something like that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, good point. Yeah, so so we got some oldies on here, and then we got some, some oldies making new music and some newies making new music. That made sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we got some good... Some good range, like uh, Public Enemy is the definitely the oldest. Yeah, for but... sure. I uh, when I heard that the they were gonna release an album in 2020, I went, "Are you kidding me right now?" Yeah, I um, I guess there was like a hoax where they pretended to fire Flavor Flav. Yeah, <laughs> but I like didn't see it actually happen. <laughs> so yeah, it's pre- it's pretty awesome. The album kind of surprised me when it came out, but yeah. it was like pretty awesome. Yeah, they like uh, Chuck D, the the main guy in the band, who's kind of been the front face yeah. of Public Enemy, was like, uh, Flavor Flav is a racist and we don't want him in the band anymore. <laughs> and and okay. just like posted that on Twitter. And then Flavor Flav posted some, you know, something ridiculous on Twitter too. And then like two days later, yeah. they were like, it's a joke. We've got a new album That's coming out. Okay. Yeah, I liked. I'm sorry I missed that then. I do like that. That's a good little plan right there. I mean, if you're going to promote in your music in 2020 and you're a, a super famous group, like that's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> you know, that hasn't yeah. had mainstream success in a long time. Yeah, like I think their last uh, album was basically 1998. And it, like for our generation, we basically saw Flavor of Love. Like that was my introduction <laughs> to Flavor Flav. It was like the worst reality show ever. But it's like they're back i'm glad they're back and yeah. making music like pretty seriously i uh i um i think my first introduction to flavor flav was not flavor of love though that is a solid <laughs> introduction yeah. um but he was yeah. on there's an old show called wife swap which is inherently misogynistic oh, oh um, my gosh yeah but he was on wife swap and I, I, oh, I think I was 10 God. years old when we watched this as a family. My family loved that show. And so, like, yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, he's and he's just yeah. as boisterous and ridiculous as he is, you know, because he's in front of cameras. So he's running around with a clock on his chest. And he's like, right. I'm Flame of Flame! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Like, the, he's a perfect character for reality TV. But, <laughs> but, but got, like, like, his original thing was being a hype man, which maybe those go hand in hand. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just wild to to be introduced to him that way. And then later on in life, I listened to Public Enemy's music. Um, for me, it was uh, the Fear of the Black Planet album. Yep. Uh, and I was like, oh, these guys are good. And like, this guy was on Wife Swap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. It's kind of funny. Like, they're definitely one of the most critically acclaimed early rap groups. Oh, for sure. They really have nothing but respect. <laughs> but yeah, then you have Wife Swap and Flavor of Love. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's just a, just amazing stuff. So yeah, when I heard <laughs> they were coming back in 2020, and Chuck D has been active since they kind of disbanded public i don't know public enemy has been a strange thing for a while now um because they kind of disbanded back in like the early 90s and then um he made a couple more records under the public enemy name so like um man laughs and god's plans was in 2013 i think and um uh, but they, yeah. but they never saw like any success at all. You know, Flavor Flav wasn't on any of those. Um, they just were kind of like strange Chuck D solo Public Enemy albums. Um, yeah, like the the lineup has changed. Yeah, on and off. Yeah, and then Chuck D went on to partner with Tom Morello and Cypress Hill in um, Prophets of Rage two years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that that was a good uh, collaboration too. That was yeah. They, they, I don't know when that came out. I think it was 2017, so three years ago now. Um, uh, and they put out just a self-titled album, and like, I mean, for what it was, it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. I mean, you had Chuck D just being Chuck D, and um, and Tom Morello's guitar parts, you know, are just always amazing. So it was an interesting experiment that they did. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it totally makes sense. Like thinking about the political energy of Public Enemy. And then, like, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, similar political outlinings and attitudes and uh, pretty hype. Very much fighting the man. Yeah. I, Pro- I mean, Prophets of Rage was yeah. their name. So. And um, I kind of wished Zach De La Roche from Rage Against the Machine had been on that. Because, like, yeah, he hasn't done anything other than he, he did, and this is just a sidebar, Bit, but he did uh, make an appearance on Run the Jewels' latest album back right. a couple yep. months ago, and that track was so freaking good. I can't imagine what him and Chuck D like would have done together. It would have been amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know much about like. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Zach is like still playing. I don't know if Rage Against the Machine is still playing regularly. I don't, so know, I don't what... know if they didn't for some reason but yeah and i i know when they broke up it wasn't like an amicable breakup so i don't know i don't know yeah, that, what, yeah. what they're up to but i want it so anyway right. yeah no definitely so anyways um public enemy had dropped this album kind of by surprise really quickly they had put out um one single from it prior to the album's release which was state of the union stfu like no other in this lifetime White House killer, dead in lifelines Broke this joke out, or die trying Unprecedented, minute, many presidented Nazi Gestapo, dictator defendant It's not what you think, it's what you follow Run for them jewels, drink from that bottle Another four years, gonna gut your hollow Gun it out, dried up, broken can't borrow State of the Union, shut the fuck up Sorry ass motherfucker, stay away from me featuring dj premiere yeah um, yeah <laughs> and like i'm not gonna lie i listened to this song and i wasn't super happy with it and i thought it was kind of all over yeah. the place and uh, yeah that's not my favorite that's for sure yeah de- definitely one of my oh. least favorites on this album and i thought mm. if the whole album is gonna be this guys you should not have made this <laughs> um but it yeah, wasn't. and you know that that skepticism is like very warranted. Like it has been a long time, and you definitely have to worry. Like, is this going to be able to compete with? Yeah, and everything else coming out today. Like it, 
and it sounds uh, like vintage. Like it has a lot of those sounds, but yeah. they do do a pretty good job keeping it modern. Yeah, and I, I I think that worried me too. Is that like it's I feel like very hard for um, conscious rap to to make a statement in 2020 without yeah. either seeming played out or seeming very very vintage and very relegated to the yeah. past. Um, and yeah. I, yeah, I was concerned that like how is this album gonna look against you know the babies blame it on the ba- blame it on the baby like <laughs> yeah yeah they're very different yeah. things and, and the audience wants very, very different, different things right now so um but i think they did an okay job of, of walking that line um i don't know what what were your first thoughts when you listened through this album steven yeah i definitely liked the album i like in general having a little bit of that just not sure what to expect i think that corniness did come through. Like there's definitely multiple spots where you get a little bit of that, but there's Chuck some D, like, Chuck, Yeah, absolutely. Chuck D like shows up rapping though. Like he, he does his lyric and his, his flows, like even though I think his flows are like always pretty similar to each other. Yeah. His, he's not playing around. Like it's pretty clear. They've written the songs. I'd put it that way. Like yeah. I think Chuck D has plenty to say. And, uh, you know, I think it kind of goes by the song. Yeah, State of the Union can be kind of corny. Yeah, um, especially with Flavor Flav yelling, shut the fuck up in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was right. just like, okay, Flav. <laughs> and I think I think a key to Public Enemy is, like, how often is Flavor Flav saying stuff? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, basically, like, he does definitely contribute some important energy. But, yeah, Chuck D is the one who's going to, like, drop a verse that you can respect yeah he's gonna make Probably. the album good you know and i like what you said about his flow his flow is always seemed very like he's got like three different flows that like are his like no other rapper is really doing the type of flow that he does um necessarily but it's also like it's all he can do you know too so yeah um, there's good yeah, and bad he's got a super distinct voice yeah yeah if i hear him on a track he did a track with logic a couple years ago and i heard it on the radio and i was like oh there's chuck d right there like i didn't even have to <laughs> yeah you know see he was featured on it like that's that's his voice yeah um i really yeah liked... what it... oh sorry go ahead oh yeah no go ahead i was just gonna ask what you thought of the features i okay so probably the most important part of this album to me are the features um yeah especially especially in the track public enemy number one which you know is Mm -hmm. probably like the biggest reason to listen to this album is to hear this track because they brought back um the beastie boys and run dmc uh yeah and ad rock has a person there too to um yeah to do this and i guess i didn't realize this in, until reading up on this, I went, why is Run DMC and, and the Beastie Boys doing this? Well, they were all on Def Jam records. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they're like old cohorts in a way. Yeah, and it was... But they never had, like, really featured each other. Like, I cannot pinpoint one track where Run DMC was on a Public Enemy track or the Beastie Boys were on a Run DMC track. Like, they'd never done a collab before, to my knowledge. I might be wrong. Yeah, I don't. That. I don't... I don't think so either. I mean, it's definitely, you know, Rick Rubin was producing yeah. Run DMC and Beastie Boys. But yeah, I don't know if they ever worked together directly back then. Yeah. And and so that was just, it's kind of like, it feels like this momentous, like for the centuries thing to have happen on your album. 
to finally have yeah. you know them all dropping verses together is really interesting and i think you really get to see how some of them have aged in the rap game and it's not great yes um yes like reverend runs verse i loved his verse i was like oh man he's yeah he's hitting it hard he's got some like modern yeah. he you know he talks about the uh, 11 mcs they all trying to flex on me you know he's got uh-huh. some modern takes and then dmc kicks in and his verse is just not great <laughs> there was a time when i was losing it alcohol i was abusing it the wealth of health i wasn't choosing it to help myself i wasn't doing it mom and dad they meant a lot to me, I mean, they helped me yeah i yeah. i totally feel you i agree like rev runs verse was good but East T-Boy's back is awesome, but it's like, rest in peace, MCA. Yeah, but it, 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 yeah, sure. like The parts with them talking and rapping, like, it could be pretty corny. Like the, yeah, it's, it's, it's not bad, but it kind of is like, eh, maybe parts of this is like a crowd pleaser. Like yeah. it's, you know, maybe it's more just, it's awesome you're all here. Yeah, I think that's really it the It doesn't amount to it. a bad track. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it, it is an awesome collaboration to see them together. Yeah, and I was kind of like when I realized what was happening on this track, I thought, oh, is like Mike D gonna get a verse? And he really doesn't. He just gets to, you know, repeat the yeah. Here's a little story bit, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Yeah, right. But it would be yeah, really cool to I see think... him kick it with these guys too. Yep. I mean, I, yeah, I think you summed it up by sharing that part. Like they recite parts from paul revere and it's it's kind of got yeah. that like beastie boys humor but it's like you know it's part of you is definitely like i i would have liked to see you guys like do something awesome like the beastie boys are like awesome creative hip-hop group yeah they, not really what they show up as like but and this still- track could have been like all over the place you know within the hip-hop genre and stuff and and it really you know, when you boil it down, it's really a public enemy track at its core. You're right. It's it's low key. Yep. Um, it doesn't have much of a backbeat. It's it's pretty bare bones instrumentally. But it would have been cool to see like, you know, Mike D jump on the track and all of a sudden it switched to this like heavy mm. 808. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like old yeah. 808 <laughs> beat. That would have been yeah. sweet to see that. And I'm happy for the the collab we got. But it leaves me wanting more <laughs> of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's not perfect. What did you think of the Fight the Power remix, which has yeah, a one, ton of two, people on three, it. four, <laughs> five? Okay, Questlove is one of the features. He I is, and YG's on it too? <laughs> yeah, mean. so yeah, YG is here in addition to us talking about YG's new album. Yeah, right, because we're going to get to YG later. So yeah, this is actually a good, um, just a good thing to talk about. You know, I thought that like, some of the features there, like I think Nas's verse was pretty all right. The information age got him seeing what's really wrong with these racist days. I honor the strong and pity the weak. Your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think. Haiti beat France in century 17. Salute Tucson and Dessaline. And I do love France. Know what I mean? It's a system I'm talking. Nobody's agreeing. I was. Yep. I I was pretty. Especially when he said, yo, Chuck, I'm fighting the power right now. Thanks to you and Flav 
and PE putting it down. Like that was kind of a cool moment uh-huh. to to see them handing the kind of the torch. Even though Nas is not yeah. really like the next generation yeah, of rapper, right. he's been around for a while. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he looked up to them when he was starting off. Yeah, oh, I'm sure he did, you know. And and um, I think Black's, Black Thought's verse was pretty good, too. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of um, Rhapsody, so it was okay. Um, yeah. I agree. yeah, I agree. It was okay. I'm glad they had some representation. Yeah, but they had a, a lot of people for it and i think even chuck d did a verse that he changed from the original track too yeah yeah it's like it had parts of the original i think yeah there there was definitely some call outs to it um but it was definitely changed too um so it was a cool it was cool to see that too but you know this track and public enemy number one and then like i really liked um uh on um i think it's on the song grid the first real song on the album you know they sing yeah they have the chorus what you gonna do when the grid go down which is pretty catchy I like that. Yeah. And then there's not much left on the album, substance-wise. I mean, there is. There's a ton of tracks. You know, there's 17 tracks or so. But uh, the rest of it felt really scattered to me and kind of all over the place. Yeah, I think it's kind of like there's a couple tracks where it seems like the whole image for the album is holding together. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like, you know, the first two tracks kind of, like, set up that this idea of like the grid goes down, it's the apocalypse situa- situation and Which we can't depend on the media. A pretty cool concept for 2020, you know, like I was like, okay, right. kind no, of vibing definitely. with this. Um, yeah, I think it's like a really good way to carry the album through with a theme, but yeah. it kind of does fall off a little bit. Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, I think someone like beat them all, smash the crowd. Yeah. And if you can't join them, they're very, you know, they're kind of similar to me. Like, yeah. they do kind of blur together in some way. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, I love Public Enemy. I love a lot of their music. But that is a lot of their music, you know, is we've got the same beat <laughs> over, you know, Chuck D's same three, um, yeah. the same three patterns. And they're all very conscious political focus eventually stuff starts to feel like we've heard it before a couple of times yeah even on this i I agree like i think a lot of people i mean at the time public enemies music was coming out originally Mm -hmm. definitely sounded crazy this album basically expresses like the same sonic palette their early albums do it cool but i think that makes it a little bit more dependent on chuck d basically to deliver like hooks and raps and yeah, there's just a lot of tracks here where, you know, it's just not the best we've ever heard him rap, which makes sense. He's gotten a lot older. Yeah. But... And, you know, he's he's been trying to put out music pretty constantly since the 90s. So, like, not everything, not every verse Chuck D writes. Right. He's written so many yeah. verses. And he's been featured on, on a lot of albums recently, too. Not all of them are going to be, you know, fantastic stuff. And yes. I think that's what this album falls prey to is... uh 
you know, there, there's yeah. just some some tracks here that I would definitely cut, um, or that yeah. I, I don't even I realize it, are there. It'd feel nice if it was a little bit more of a statement. I mean, even yeah. having the Fight the Power remix is like, it's cool. They're trying to make it topical, and they're bringing all these new voices on. But it's like, in all, in all reality, like a new track. Yeah. Would yeah. definitely be even cooler well, <laughs> or a, more topical. <laughs> a new track, especially because there's no shortage of political statements to be made about 2020, you know? Yeah, um, it's really not. And I kind of thought when I heard, oh, Public Enemy's putting out an album, man, they're going to dig into Trump and it's going to be like, I mean, we're going to get some fighting going on here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really not that, which is fine. They don't have to do that. Um, but I'm surprised by the, like, especially towards the end of the album, it really feels like it, it loses its focus. Like, yeah, Rip, Black Cat and Rest and Beats, both are pretty decent songs. They just have nothing to do with the thematic structure that they've set up. Right. And so I, I get lost. And then they have the closing, which is just this little monologue, the I Am Black by Miss Ariel, which is nice. But like, <laughs> it didn't fit with yeah, what's right. come before it, it you know? Yeah, like it, or yeah, like it's kind of like the closing monologue, kind of tried to like tie it back in. Yeah, but like the second to last and third to last track, these are both like kind of tributes to people they've lost mm -hmm. over the years, and kind of like, I mean, I think the theme of kind of just growing up and how the scene has changed comes up. Yeah, a couple different times. Yeah, which it's good, but yeah, it definitely it doesn't necessarily hold it together. I think there were. There were a couple like Trump disses in the album. Yeah, but you know, unfortunately, like because this is just I don't know, it's an election year. But also, I feel like rap has been this way since Trump. <laughs> yeah. It's like you do get you hear a lot of the same takes. It's yeah. understandable to hear it, even if you completely support the message, and you're just like, it's just Orange Man bad. Like after a <laughs> while, you're like, okay, you know, like it does get a little bit. Steven, a little bit like trivial bless your heart man that one's gonna be i already can tell you that's gonna be the name of this episode orange man bad <laughs> awesome <laughs> you're just killing it with these yeah. titles yeah no i agree with you though i think yeah kind of once you've heard it and especially once you've heard it from public enemy you've heard it <laughs> and, and yeah i think yeah just kind of to close some thoughts here there are some songs i think definitely people should should check out like grid um Public Enemy number one, the Fight the Power remix is really cool. Um, you know, I think if you if you don't have time for this gigantic album to go listen to it, um, these are the tracks that you're going to want to not miss. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree with most of those. I definitely think Grid. I like Yesterday Man as well, with which features Daddyo. Yeah. Some wanna be a spectacle what Instead of spectacular what Check the Sally vernacular what Now they mumbling back at her what Kanye, Mary, and Kim what Yeah, that's a pretty sweet track too And I mean, like a song like R.I.P. Black Cat I think that was one of the better songs on the album It's just not, it's not super exciting necessarily But it does have pretty good production Yeah <laughs> hey, yo, Black Cat, you's a funny guy, man. I'ma miss you, kid. <laughs> wow, Black Cat, you too much, man. Tonight I can't sleep. It's not bad, but like, I think if I really, 
I would listen to one of the original Public Enemy albums. I think definitely. I, mm. I don't think it really compares to their original oh, work. Oh, certainly not. And, you know, when you talk about original Public Enemy stuff, kind of like you said earlier, you know, their music then was like, oh, my God, this is insane. This is crazy. The techniques that, yeah. <laughs> techniques that they were using to record um, what Bomb Squad was doing back in the 90s, like, that was, like, really um, revolutionary stuff. Yeah, and, it was inventive. And it and it's cool to look back on that and go, wow, look at you like, you know, we started here and look at where we've come production wise and recording wise. Um, but then when you try to do what they were doing in the 80s today, yeah, you know, it loses that charm because I go, you guys could have actually made a pretty sleek production wise album and even tried to push the envelope more and and. And right. They didn't you know? Yeah, I mean, sonically, they're definitely playing it safe. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think maybe that is one of the, yeah, maybe one of the downsides of the album. Like, you're this is a Public Enemy album, and it's kind of even like if you had to tell yourself what would a Public Enemy sound like this year, it's kind of what it is. Yeah, it's kind of what you'd expect, yeah. But that's pretty much exactly what you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like you said, I think you know. If you were to go back and listen to this album against Fear of a Black Planet or against It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, it would not hold up. But should we expect it to hold up against albums that were so, you know, um, so groundbreaking? At the yeah, time? yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it yeah. is tricky, but like they kind of bring back their same bag of tricks. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they've got some tricks they've been playing since for a while. So, um, but yeah, but all in all, I'm happy with it. I'm happy that they're still making music. Um and, you know, I, I'd give this album probably solid six, seven tracks to go back to and listen to just on my personal playlist, um, you know. Yeah, I think so, too. It, it's pretty good. I mean, if anything, it's really just I hope they do another album. Yeah. Yeah, it would be really cool to, to hear them continue this on um, and to keep, to keep doing this. And I hope that if they do another album, they push that envelope a little farther than they attempted to on this yep. one. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, cool. Well, let's just talk about YG. We yeah, let's talk about YG. Already, I guess. Yeah. So, um, YG's album, My Life 400. Am I saying that right? I would say 400, probably. <laughs> I'm going to let you pronounce the album title this time because I'm not going to yeah. get it right. But yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, what drew you to this album? Yeah, so... Um... I think I kind of first got into YG's music like last year or something like that. Okay. Um, I'm, I liked his first two albums the most, really, which was like My Crazy Life and then Still Brazy. Yeah. Uh, my, my Crazy Life was 2013 and then Still Brazy, I think, was 2016. So a couple of years later there. And now this is his fifth album. Whew, he's been busy. So I've been kind of watching him along. Yeah, I haven't really... I don't think I've liked anything as much as I liked his first two records. Sure. I think like the mix of his, he's like very West coast, like a gangster, but his biggest producer was DJ mustard. So he'd have like these really corny beats. <laughs> and that I thought yeah. I thought that was just like a very interesting kind of mix. Yeah, I definitely. So the first time I heard YG at all was on Macklemore's 2015 album. This unruly mess I made. He's got a verse on a song called Bolo Oh, really? Tommy. Yeah. And I was like, this guy's pretty good. Like, I actually thought, hearing him, I went, this guy sounds like 
an 80s West Coast rapper. He sounds like, you know, heavy in the yeah. gangster rap scene. And I thought, oh, cool. Like, so th- I thought maybe this guy is just an older guy that I didn't know about. And then I went back and I saw, oh, he's been around since like 2013. <laughs> like, he's very new on the scene. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, kind of. only one thing I like about him. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see a guy keeping gangster rap alive or trying to keep gangster rap alive, you know, this late into yeah. the, the, tw- the yeah. 2000s. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think this album in general, uh, when it came out, was like pretty underwhelming for me. Although it sure. wasn't bad. I mean, speaking of him, kind of mixing old school and new school, like it was nice to see someone like Lil Wayne on here, who yeah. I think had a really good verse on Bloodwalk. I think you know maybe one of the best ones on the album. I was surprised because I listened to Bloodwalk and I went, I think I know who that feature rapper is because I didn't look at it to see it beforehand. You know, I was just at it playing. Yeah. And I went, I think I know who that is. And I'm like, but I can't like quite make it out. And they they pulled. I feel like some of the auto tune that Lil Wayne traditionally has on him, they pulled it back a little bit in this track. And I, and it was interesting yeah. to hear almost a different side of Lil Wayne that was a little more vulnerable. And a little, I mean, he's done a ton of different things, and he's got done a ton of different sounds. But um, I just I wouldn't have I didn't end up guessing right. that it was Lil Wayne on this track. But it was a really good verse. Yeah, it's a good feature. I think it like. Yeah. Not my favorite track necessarily, but good feature. And then like he's got Chris Brown and Tyga on the track <laughs> Rodeo, which is like uh, you know, it's like the male WAP. That's like a pretty <laughs> disgusting song. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I like real ass with dimples. She got probably low hotty till you in out. I take a slow I go jinto. Baby like a mole when it's lit though. I like when Shuddy get mento. Real free, she a sad I'm a scopio. When a dip, when I glide inside you. And she know I stretch out like limo. And you know I got a fetish for them toes. And I need them right now. What you waiting for? So sweet like Chibio. And you know, hold on. But he also has like, he has all these young guys. So he's got Lil TJ, Tay, 2XS. I don't know how you say that. Yeah. But I have uh, heard some of his music. He's got Gunna, Little Cowboy, Lil, Mo- yep, Lil Mosey as well. And then Ty Dolla Sign yeah. as well. well so I- like, I-, I see this as he's trying to really bring new people up. And he's yeah. trying to kind of. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, my first response to this album, not being deeply steeped in YG's history, but knowing, you know, that he's got that kind of West Coast flow and gangster rap style, I was surprised by how um, how 2020 this album felt. Like a lot of these instrumentals, a lot of these tracks that were made are not tracks that I would be like, you should put a gangster rapper on this track. <laughs> you know, they're, they're yeah. like very yeah. heavily house trap influenced beats and so it was interesting to hear him do that while still maintaining his style and i think he did a a smart thing with people like tay 2xs again not sure if i'm saying that right um (laughs) you know who has this like he's the sound that is popular right now even if he's not massively popular um i think yg did a good job of surrounding himself with people on this album who um have sounds that are popular right now that he himself maybe can't capture. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, I think that could be like 
uh, a defense of the album, but it could also be a negative thing. Like, I appreciate he's trying to, like, he is extending his sonic palette pretty well, I yeah. think. A lot of the beats are, like, they're shit, like, the crazy, corny, synthy, like, DJ Mustard type stuff he used to do. Yeah. But it's also kind of, like, uh, I know he, like, experiments. Like, YG has auto-tune on his voice on a couple tracks, which yeah. I don't know if he's done that before. He might have done that, like, once on his last album. But, you know, it might, like, sometimes on these tracks, the newer rappers just kind of sound more at home. Yeah, they do. And, like, and I, I think there's a couple of tracks where I go, you got bested by your features, you know? <laughs> yes, yep, um, yeah. Like, and that's I, what can happen. And that's what can happen when you're not, when you're trying to create music that is not the music that you are particularly inept at or that, you know, your sound yeah. lends itself to. Yeah, I think I think there are a couple times... Um, I really think War Scars with him and Tay 2 X. I think he was shown up on that track. Tried to show love to a snake and it had bit me. My dog I thought was a honey, man, he turned bit. I know they plotting and watching they trying to get me. That's why I pray to Allah that he be with me. I got a lot of war scars on my heart from battles I know I ain't won. It's safe to say that if I had to do it again, you know. yeah that's another one where the mood just kind of like it relies more on the feature right well it actually you know and that's kind of i guess like, he's not featured on the track it's with him but like, if you had to I ask did, me, yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, if you had to ask me whose song this was, I wouldn't have expected it to be on YG's album. I would have thought he's the guest rapper yeah. coming in on this song. Um, yeah, yeah. I really liked his uh, um, his song "Out on Bail," uh, the fourth song on the track. I thought, yeah, he had some really masterful flows there, and um, and the the hook of like, uh, you know, I'm out on bail, y'all. <laughs> it was just, it was, yeah. Really cool. I think he did a good job with that that track. I think that was one of the tracks he released before the album. And I, I definitely it? think that one of the standouts, if not the standout. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he's alone on that track, which helps him, I think, in that case. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do like all the features, but when I when I think of his first two albums, I don't necessarily think of the features right away. Yeah. Like, even though he has big features there, the majority of the album, he's depending more on himself. So that's another thing on this album where... I, you know, yeah. I don't want him to rely on the features, certainly. And it would have been nice right, for to have sure. a little bit more of him by himself. Yeah. Um, we You already kind of talked about Bloodwalk, but I just want to mention this one thing. I thought the track was pretty solid. And like you said, the Little Wayne feature is fantastic. However, I don't know if you got this feeling, but I was listening to it and I thought, 
is this like just a resampled um blue face beat blue face baby <laughs> because it sounds like every good... beat off of dirtbag <laughs> yeah you're kind of right that's a good point and i don't know... i didn't directly think of that comparison but that does make sense it literally hit me first and then i went so this is basically like if blue face like we took a blue face beat and then we threw migos walk <laughs> it like i talk it on top of it and that's the song <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty fair. Um, that's pretty fair. I wasn't familiar with the producers on the album like a lot. I saw Iceberg and Swish both yeah. produce a couple tracks, but uh, maybe they share some producers. I don't know. I think so. That I think that's got to be the case, or it's just that you know that's what's popular right now. Yeah, in kind of their world, and you know, it just happened to overlap that way. But yeah, I really I don't know any of these producers other than Swish. Um, yeah. And and it's interesting to see him not have anything produced with DJ Mustard when, like you said, they uh, they kind of came up together, you know. Um, he, yeah. he relied really yeah. heavily on DJ Mustard back then. Right. Yeah, I'm glad he's working with different producers, but like having a good relationship with a single producer, I think, can be really fruitful. Whereas with this album, it's like, who knows? <laughs> You know, there could be a hundred tracks that didn't end up on the album. Yeah, it just makes it makes it feel a little more scattered. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think you're right. Um, what what were your thoughts on the track? Oh, FTP. What were your thoughts on the track FTP? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I, I guess we should say, in addition to the Public Enemy, like this album definitely tries to be topical. Definitely tries to be topical. Yeah. Um, there's like, there's two interludes with like a, like, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's actually his daughter, but <laughs> yeah. And it's a little jarring when those interludes cut in both times. Um, especially the first time it caught me by surprise cause it comes right after blood walk and that's kind of a peppy song. And he's like, you know, yeah. talking about how great of a blood he is. And, and then his daughter is like, daddy, the police want to shoot me in the face. And I'm just like, Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> where did that come yeah. from? <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, yeah, and then the second one later, it's after Thug Cry, which is the track with a little mosey, and it's like this is the like emotional track, and then yeah. it's you know, Daddy, I hate the police, and they want to kill. You know, it's just yeah. like I was just like I, I understand the point he's trying to make, but yeah, it's like did you need to make it this way? <laughs> yeah, it's a little on the nose. I yeah. think that's all you would say. Like these tracks, like one is eleven seconds and one is nine seconds. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. understand like. It really just goes. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And it, it, you know, yeah, it comes out of nowhere. It goes out of nowhere. Um, and, and really, he doesn't yeah. speak much on this topic other than, you know, from the track FTP, which, you know, I appreciate some of the sentiments he is describing. But when you have a track that relies heavily on the, the tagline, fuck the police, and you don't sample yeah. NWA, are you crazy? <laughs> That's how I feel. By Glock, burn down the block. That's how I feel. Murder after murder after all these years. By strap us back after all these tears. Mama's crying. How they gon' heal? How you will feel? Fuck sides. Speak up, bitch. This shit ill. Big stick on me. Y'all kill, we kill. Been tied. Fuck cardboard signs. We in the field. It's the cool <laughs> Right. Like, yeah, it is a little repetitive. Yeah. Like, I'll say one thing I thought about was. Uh, Still Brazy had the track FDT, which was like okay. literally fuck Donald Trump. Oh, so I think oh, it was like I a callback that to that. Yeah, but similarly, it's like f Donald Trump 
is probably, in my opinion, the worst song on the album. It's not because I like Donald Trump, but like the hook is, fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Donald Trump. And it's kind of similar to what you have now. Like, yeah, it really is. and and It's kind of similar. And especially when you have, I mean, you know, Fuck the Police by N.W.A. is like one of the most well-known hip-hop tracks and yeah absolutely if you're gonna try to create anything that's even remotely in that lane i'm gonna compare you to that track and this track just does yeah. not stand up against it you know um yeah yeah it doesn't it's it's not a bad thought but no certainly it's not. not i mean it's not one of my favorite tracks on the album yeah do you know why uh just out of my curiosity so you know in thug cry and then laugh now cry later he spells cry with a k and even in when I was looking ah, through okay. the lyrics, he spells it with a K too in the lyrics, and I thought it was a yep. little strange. Is there a reason behind that, or am I yes, just yes? Okay. So to yeah. talk about why he's spelling, yeah, this is part of his his Bloods Association. Okay. So even his his debut album, My Crazy Life, was with a K. Yeah. Basically, he just doesn't use C's because that's a crip thing. Oh, okay, that like, makes sense. I got yeah. you now. And I'm still following. still brazy has a B. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I kind of I kind of forgot that's what he was doing on these <laughs> tracks on this album, but yeah, now that you say it, it's like, yep. I'm glad to know cuz I was just as I was just listening to it and looking through the lyrics. I'm like, man, he's really dedicated to this K thing. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I don't know what I it symbolizes. <laughs> you know. That's funny. Um, but and yeah, I guess I mean, he's still yeah. he's dedicated to that thug image, I guess. Like good on him, man. Is he I don't know if you know this. Is he really part of the Bloods or is it more of a um like he says he is and he is yeah. kind of thing. You know, I thought about doing like some little research on like, yeah, how much of that is posturing. I yeah. don't know. I'm sure he, I'm guessing he came up in a gang. You know, I sure. think he's still gang affiliated. I'm not sure, but. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I would, uh, I would be surprised to learn that he's like a card carrying member of the bloods like legitimately <laughs> like he participates <laughs> yeah. in their activities and stuff like that but maybe i don't know yeah uh, yeah and i mean i think it's a it's a question you can ask of like a lot of rappers who yeah. you know they all have a similar story really and they can tell it to whatever degree they want yeah right and, and you know nobody's gonna fact check them and be like oh you're you're not paying your dues to the bloods you know <laughs> right um, yeah not enough street cred <laughs> not enough street cred you know <laughs> yeah um yeah so. but he does he wears it on his sleeve i mean he's not afraid no no he is not yeah he, he's all about the the red on the album covers yeah yeah okay so that makes okay uh, okay see a lot of this has fallen into place for me now that i'm <laughs> yeah now that you connected yeah. those dots i get it now that's that's the blood life i get it all right all right yeah so for me you know i thought this album was respectable and i thought there were some creative things that he did on it too and and some smart moves and he had some great flows um but probably like probably like five tracks out of the 13 i think i'd go back to you know discounting the interludes obviously as real tracks yeah yeah i think i'd agree with that i think you know he does have good flows but Mm -hmm. similar to public enemy it's like i think you hear similar flows on his previous work yeah yeah i think so and yeah I'd say, like, there's probably five tracks that really stick with me. Laugh Now, Cry Later is a good track that's, like, yeah. a little bit slower, more emotional. Look, laugh now, cry later, do 
yourself favor. I'm in a Lamborghini slide. This ain't nothing major. Eight days straight faded. I don't do chasing. They just raided my house. They some haters. Mama on the phone like, gotta be safer. Granny on three-way. Granny saying praise. Kissing on my little babies. Gotta see him later. The devil ain't a lie. He'll yeah and you know there are similar things elsewhere in his discography but it's still nice yeah i do i like laugh now cry later over thug cry i know thug cry is supposed to be the emotional climax of the album but it um it just thug cry doesn't land with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, just, no, I don't feel it. little I, Mo, I don't like little mosey that much either so this song had like two strikes against it <laughs> yeah no i think you're totally right i mean thug cry is like it's just, I mean, it's a more of a group track. It's more, yeah. that's trying to look like Thugs Crying. And then you got, you know, YG by himself being a little more sincere, probably. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, let's move on. You want to talk about Knuckle Puck? Yeah, Knuckle Puck 2020. Uh, the Chicago-based... Yeah, give me the rundown. Yeah, Chicago-based pop-punk band um, who have been pretty well-known in the scene, pretty pretty obscure outside of the scene. Um, for the last several years, I first saw Knuckle Puck live um, by accident. Kind of, I went to see the Wonder Years um, in the mm-hmm. in 2014. In I think it's 2014, they played the Agora Ballroom in um, um, Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. Um, anyways, it's an amazing venue. One of my favorite shows, just because the venue is really cool. It's an old venue where all the rock legends played, and just a just a really cool place. It's kind of like a reverse amphitheater where like you're kind of on the stage and the band is like in where seating would normally be. So it's just a cool, nice. Yeah. Just a cool place to do. And I saw knuckle puck and I was like, man, these guys are pretty good. They're, um, you know, I thought at the time, like they're not, you know, um, legends in the pop punk scene by any stretch but like they were young up-and-comers who who were trying to keep the scene alive and doing a good job at it um they're uh and this album in particular 2020 comes off the back of their last album which was um shapeshifter that's the name of that album from 2017 um oh yeah yeah, yeah. um and that album was really fantastic it was really cool because their first album called cobacetic was um Kind of like standard pop punk cut and mold stuff. Yeah. And then Shapeshifter, really, the band found their voice and, and evolved into their own sound. And now on 2020, it's nice to see them continuing that, especially in a time when, like, it's really not cool to be making pop punk music anymore. <laughs> you know? Um, like, Blink-182 yeah. has officially put the nail in the coffin of pop punk music, I think. Um, yeah, it's possible. So Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. yeah, you're coming at it from much more of a pop punk fan. I'm I like, am. <laughs> I can't say I'm not, like, I don't know what it sounds like. I mean, I think we all do, but yeah. I think, like, the level of saturation at this point is kind of to where it's like, you got to know what you like about the genre and what you're after. And like with that in mind, you can definitely make new discoveries and see where the bands are going. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's a lot of stuff that they push on this album that, you know, has leanings in other genres and like even indie stuff. Um, and, and even some metal leanings where I go, yeah, this is cool to see you guys kind of breaking out of that, like standard pop punk sound and mold. Um, and so I think it's a really solid album in that respect, um, and I'm and I'm happy they're making it. I'm I'm just really I was a little nervous going into this album because it's called 2020, 
and I went, okay. Yeah. Like, this is the lamest thing you can name your album in 2020. Um, yeah. And, and so let's, uh, let's cue it up. We're going to get to microphones in 2020. So yeah. we have two albums that mention what year it is yeah. in the title. <laughs> and, like, last year, Anti-Flag had put out their latest album. And, like, they had a song called 2020 Vision on it where he's like, I got a 2020 yeah, okay. vision. <laughs> I had a 2020 vision. And I'm like, that kind yeah. of killed it for me. And then I see Knuckle Puck's yeah. going to put out an album called 2020. And I'm like, yeah, guys, please valid. don't do this. <laughs> that's valid. That's a valid worry. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Well, how do you think that turned out? Like, what, what did you think about the track 2020? Were they? That's Yeah, that's what that. I was going to talk about. Because he says, you know. Because uh, I can finally see clearly as if my vision's 2020 that everything is temporary, so shred the proof and burn the money. I think this album was largely written in 2019 before COVID and, and all this yeah. stuff happened. Because yeah. they had announced this album pretty early or pretty late in 2019, but it seems like all the work was kind of done right. on it prior to hand. So yeah. I don't get the feeling they're speaking directly to the state of 2020, but it's a nice happenstance that a lot of the themes they talk about wanting to feel like he, he, the album deals with the singer, you know, feeling like everything is temporary and everything's shaking underneath him and, and nothing is permanent. Um, and it's kind of cool that it's lined up with this crap year that we've had, you know, um, <laughs> Cause, yeah, it does work out. Because it actually it works out for me. I like the track 2020. I thought it was a nice introduction to it, even if being a little cheesy and calling out, like, I've got 2020 vision, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I still think it, it managed to do what they wanted to do with it pretty well. Um, and I think the themes carry through through well, too. It was, I, was, I was happy with that track. Um, and then, like... Uh, I just want to call it the track Earthquake, too. Um, yeah, I loved Earthquake. Dude. I think if it's oh. not my favorite, it was just basically like, yeah, this is, I mean, this is so catchy. It's, like, it's kind of unreal. It's, it's my favorite song on the album. <laughs> like, it's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it really has, like, an extra dose of energy. What do you like about it? I just, I love, number one, man, the chorus is so cool on this. And, like, you can really yeah. feel, it's one of those fun <laughs> pop punk songs where you feel like the writer is, like, really in love with the person he's singing about and, like, really does care about them. And you can hear that reflected in his voice when he sings it. Um but then just that, you know, it's so catchy and fun. And, you know, he talks about um, uh, being confused because she looks so good and, you know, how an earthquake yeah. is nothing compared to her. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just, I'm like, yeah, I feel you, man. I uh, I really I like. I think it's really fun and sorry. joyful. Yeah, it's really joyful. I and think... And we don't have a lot of that right now. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's nice. Like the album does try to be 
darker at points. I'd say yeah. like maybe more lyrically than musically, but yeah, for when sure. they kind of let loose and just make a happy song, it it's really nice. And I'm I'm happy about how short Earthquake is too. It's only like two minutes and fifteen seconds. You know, it's it's very like chorus verse or verse chorus verse chorus laid out. But I'm happy about that because it's a, just a good song, and they didn't they didn't need to add like you know a two minute instrumental into it to make me like the song anymore. Like it stands on its own, I think really well. Yeah. It's like being pop punk. So you, you can lean into like either. I mean, obviously it's just kind of called that. It's not to say it's what it is, but yeah. sometimes I feel like you can lean into the pop part. Yeah. And it's and nice that's like to exactly see... what works out. Yeah. And it actually makes it a good track, you know, that, that it's got this very catchy upbeat feel to it. Um, Another track that I really enjoyed was Green Eyes too. For similar reasons, it's the guitar lick yeah. is really catchy and really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a good lick. Um Lyrically, I really liked the thought that he expressed with um, uh, when one good thing marks the ending of another, why can't we let it be like spring into the summer? You put your faith aside and cast into the great divide. Would you let me see through green eyes? I thought that was a cool, you know, summed up 2020 really well for me. Like if something's going to be good, let's just like let it be good, not focus on it and and yeah. and keep <laughs> going. And if something's going to be bad, let's do the same thing. Um yeah, I thought that was a really good lyric on that track. I mean, kind of like you mentioned before with the lyrical things, I think a lot of the, like a theme of anxiety, for example, it just comes mm-hmm. out as like these little insecurities and in different lyrics. Yeah. But but I'm not getting clogged yeah, with there's it. There's some thoughtfulness to it. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really appreciate that about the band. And I appreciate that too, kind of like how Earthquake is so short. This album's only 11 songs and they breeze by pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but they didn't need to make it an album that is like, you know, they didn't need to make this album two hours long. Um, they expressed what they wanted to, and then they left it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There, there's really no like filler on the album. No. Yeah. Yeah. The only song I wasn't super jiving with the first listen through, and I think it's probably grown on me is miles away. Just because um, after everything that had come before it, it it felt like a strange way to end the album. Um, it felt kind of similar to to everything that had come before it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It didn't really mark like the ending of the album. Yeah, I would have liked to I see. A, I would have liked to see them stick a stronger landing on it. Just, uh, just because. Yeah. You know, uh, they had some themes that they could have wrapped up really well, and Miles Wade really doesn't do that. 
yeah yeah for me like this was i don't listen to a ton of pop punk so this was an interesting yeah kind of bite of the genre where it was like this band isn't one of the like stalwarts of the genre but they're definitely not new either yeah so you're kind of seeing them decide like what they're going to be in the scene yeah and seeing them i think they cognizantly have this or at least i thought this came out to me musically it seems like they have the understanding that like this genre isn't going to be forever and so we can't just rely on the the same cliches one of the things i really don't like about pop punk right now especially um you know i grew up with it and stuff i went through high school with it and a lot of the the writers can feel like they've got this arrested development where they're still trying to write from the point of a high schooler and they're 45 years old right you know yes like yeah, Blink 182 totally is just so easy to dunk on their latest album was like i i agree like people defend it and i'm like okay there's no like, defending it i'm sorry <laughs> they're like 50 and they're like literally saying being a kid it sucks like yeah. it's just like uh <laughs> yeah and i'm like so i i hate that aspect of it and what i appreciate with knuckle puck in this release is that they didn't lean into that in any sense it felt mature it felt like he was exploring relationships that he's having now and not relationships that he had in high school, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he did it in clever ways that weren't, you know, super cliches that didn't rely on, like, the, I can't wait to leave this town, <laughs> you know, and get out of right. here. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I probably should have said that, too. Like, as not a big pop-punk fan, the fact that I didn't cringe at any yeah line about hating my town was, like, pretty refreshing, <laughs> yeah. in a way. It was just nice to, to hear that, and... You yeah. know, you stack this up against other major releases like the Blink-182 releases and you go, this is a solid musically composed album with themes that took time and thought. And it's not just like, how fast can Travis Barker bang on the drums while, <laughs> while yes. Mark Hoppus <laughs> sings about, you know, hating being a kid. It's, yeah. 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 It was just refreshing. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, and I mean, you kind of just acknowledge this in a small way, but another thing about the album that I liked that I think is worth pointing out, even if it's assumed, is like just the musicianship and the recording are like clean and good. Like the band is playing really well together. Like I love a lot of the lead licks they have yeah. going on. They do kind of have what you'd expect more, which is like some bar chords, some power chords. Yeah. Good rhythms there, but they almost always have like a good lead line going on. The drummer. The drummer's tight on this album. He's as, locked in. As his stuff together. Very economical. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and their lead lines are just, they're fun, you know? Um, and there's not, nothing think, too complicated. Yeah, there's nothing too complicated. I think there was one, like, mini guitar solo on, um, uh, I think it's Into the Blue is what it's on, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember either. There were some breaks yeah. in there, though. So it was sure. nice to hear the guitars also kind of flex a little bit more, too, than what they had done in the past. Yeah, absolutely. They've never included, like, a mini solo or anything like that before. So it was cool to see them flex a little bit more on it, too, and not just play, like like you said, bar chord riffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a good way for a band to expand their sound, too. I mm -hmm. feel like that's not necessarily, like, what rock bands usually evolve into but like yeah you can you can always put more instrumentals in i won't be upset about it right I mean, for sure for i don't sure. know if that's what like pop pop punk fans are necessarily chasing but like that could be something that defines their band yeah but you know also i don't 
mind that if if that's not what pop punk fans are, fans are chasing, I don't mind that they didn't cater to what pop punk <laughs> fans are chasing because yeah. I yeah. I feel like an old guy in in the scene sometimes and I look around and I'm like I'm 20, I'm going to be 26 here. Um that's not really <laughs> that old in this genre, but man does it feel yeah. dated when you're not in high school. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, like I said, I never got super big into the genre. Yeah. So like, I think sounding mature is kind of one of the big things. The other one is just sounding original. Yeah. Like, I really appreciate that their vocalist doesn't just he just doesn't have the classic kind of pop punk snarl like the the tom delange yeah he doesn't you know and i didn't like that when i first heard them live back in 2014. His voice is a lot more grittier than a lot of pop punk artists. And yeah, and yeah. I, I thought, man, I wish he had more of that pop punk high, oh, yeah. you know, high tenor I, I get that too. range. But now I look at it and I go, he's done some really cool stuff with his voice that um, that I'm happy he doesn't he doesn't have that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, Any anytime you can. Yeah. yeah, I think be yourself like can always bring more originality to the table for sure. Yeah. Um, so for me, this album. I mean, literally, I I enjoyed almost every song on it, and I didn't nice. like you said. I I didn't think there's too much filler. There's maybe two songs. I wasn't super big into "Tune You Out" or "Miles Away," um, but other than that, every other song was was hitting it for me. How about you? Yeah, like, I think because I'm less acquainted with the genre, I I didn't like necessarily like like I wouldn't go back and listen to pop punk super often. Yeah, I think definitely earthquake i feel like i i think i enjoyed tune you out mm-hmm. as yeah. well and some of those lead guitar lines um like maybe the second half of the album slowed down a little bit for me but i think yeah. that isn't necessarily because those compositions aren't as good i think for me like just my knowledge of the genre it's like definitely the sonic palette's pretty similar yeah on the first half on the second half to first half well and, and you get i mean like Tune You Out, Sidechain, Earthquake, RSVP are all these high energy, you know, bangers. Yeah. And then, you, yeah. yeah, you do kind of hit that second gear when they do, you know, What Took You So Long and Into the Blue and Green Eyes. It's not quite as up-tempo as right. the, the rest of the album yeah. was. Yeah, I did like Sidechain a lot as well. Slow and steady through the change now, flowing Side change pretty cool. Um, that, that was a good. I thought that was a good song. Sweet. All right. Uh, last one on the list. Microphones in 2020. I feel like we need a lot of um, <laughs> explanation about yeah, what's like background. Going on. A lot of background. Do you want to give it, or, or do you want me to? <laughs> I think you're probably more expertise in, in microphones than I am. Yeah, you know, you know, probably not. Like, I'll give a quick rundown and you can yeah. add in. I okay. mean, it's really just a question of how deep we want to go because I guess we should say, first of all, that, like, this is an album, but it's also kind of like a visual media work. Yeah. Because he is intentionally packaging this one. It's like one track album. Yeah. It's, it's basically a 45-minute song. Yeah, it's a 45-minute song that's also an album that is also an audiobook that is also a visual <laughs> photo book. So 
<laughs> exactly. That is a like, YouTube exclusive. <laughs> yes, yes, which is only on YouTube. Yes, yeah, so the the person behind this is Phil Evram, and he's known for his musical project, The Microphones, definitely. Mm-hmm. But in 2003, he kind of switched his moniker to Mount Erie, mm-hmm. which is like an, another group that has a ton of critical acclaim, just oh, yeah. like the microphones. Well, and I hadn't heard of the microphones. I heard a, a little bit about them, but not a ton. But Mount Erie, when I realized it was the same guy, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of Mount Erie before. Like, that's a... Yeah. Wow, they're almost a standard in the indie scene. Yeah, I was, like, much more familiar with Mount certain, like, Mount Erie albums. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of them, like, are probably just considered classics at this point. Yeah, for sure. Even though it's, like... He, he kind of, yeah, I would say he's like primarily indie, but a lot of his work is just very, it just pushes the boundaries, mm-hmm. I think. It's very, I, I wouldn't say like stoic, but like his tracks, like he experiments a lot. He loves experimenting with sound and yeah, different production techniques. It's not, uh, this isn't pop music. I mean, yeah, for sure. It, it is at times in his discography, but like he's definitely an art rock minded kind of guy. Yeah, very much so. I guess we should just describe like how that piece actually works because he basically, he, he's, I think he's very autobiographical in a yeah. lot of his works, which I think a lot of people love about him. For me personally, I think like it has its limits. Mm-hmm. And I think this piece, like, is meant to be representative of whole of his whole career. Yeah, it is. It kind sure. of is. It kind of is, which is like hard to do. Have but... you seen um you've seen the movie Walk Hard, right? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> if you have I love that movie. I, I just, it's my favorite. But if you haven't seen the movie Walk Hard, the the main character Dewey Cox is this play on, you know, um Johnny Cash, but he's he also goes through like every musical genre and every band iteration yeah. has ever been. And he, towards the end of the movie begins to um, think of himself as like trying to write the perfect um, a swan song. Like, like he's going to write one last yeah. enormous, amazing song and, and that's going to be it. And he can't do it. It's still not finished yet. I'm hearing more aboriginal percussionists, and I want an army of didgeridoos. 50,000 didgeridoos! Like, he keeps failing to do it, yeah. and then eventually right. he does it kind of at the end. I don't know. You know, the, the song he ends up with at the end, I don't think... It's a good song. Yeah, it's yeah. just not, like, the epitome of swan song. But to me, that's what right, I felt right. like when listening to this, as I went, wow, if Dewey Cox had tried to do... Like, this is what Dewey <laughs> Cox was trying to do. Yeah. And it was really an impressive work, um, if not a work that also yeah, took it, a lot of patience on my part. <laughs> patience, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And, like, who knows, like, where this will ultimately rest in his career. Like, I don't think he said this is the last thing he's going to do. But, yeah, like, what I don't it does think seem so to do is, I mean, he basically, he creates his own narrative, you know, which... Yeah. I think is one of the limits. Like it's so personal and it's so beautiful and disarming. He's, I, I would say, like you know, aging is a big theme. Yeah, for M- sure. Mortality, just other things like that. But it's so personal and literal that at times it's like it can feel a little bit unimaginative, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you have 
through this whole through this 45 minute piece essentially one acoustic guitar riff gets looped the whole time <laughs> um Yeah. Which, like, for yeah. me, the first seven minutes of this song is nothing but that acoustic guitar loop. And yeah. it's really yeah, pretty. Like, but I'm like, seven minutes of it? <laughs> Before we get anything else? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. I think that's like the words don't come in. And yeah. like, it pretty much is just like, it's cool. It's like a cool minimalistic thing. Yeah. There's some other, there's like some other sections of sound in the track. There's like some crashing, distortion guitars. Yeah, he once you get past that set, yeah. that first seven minutes, there's there begins to open up a whole lot of stuff. Um, not only when he brings in the words, but you know he he brings in a lot of different instrumentation that I really liked. I was just like, the first seven minutes were were trying my patience a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like sitting down for the first time, which like I definitely do recommend to everybody. Yeah, just sit down and watch. I mean, listen to it definitely, but. I think at least the first time, I think maybe that's how he intends it to be taken. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it lets you know what you're in for in a way, like after seven minutes of, you know, <laughs> syncopated guitars in each ear, it was like, is this a song? Like, yeah. I don't actually know what it's going to be. Well, I kind of, I kind of had the same and, feeling. I was like, are we going to get anything else? Or like, how long do yes, I wait before, right. <laughs> you know, I fast forward yeah. ahead, which I didn't, thank goodness. And I yeah. don't think you should either. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, at least the first time through. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's really beautiful. The way he's reflecting on his life, he's talking about how he was in microphones, mm -hmm. and then he, like, changed his moniker to Mount Erie. At first I called my recordings a different name. I called it microphones on the third cassette I made. I loved recording and the equipment seemed to be living and it sang to me like static interference from the small AM radio station down the street night in Anacortes in the mid-90s oil tankers And then he like is changing it back and it kind of feels very like dark about it. It's very much like maybe nothing matters yeah and it's a it's a beautiful reflection but like i'll just read you uh like one of these verses yeah because like sometimes it is so literal it i mean maybe some people would love it but to me it was like eh so like here's one uh stanza when i was 17 it was 1995 i put the name microphones on the tapes i would make late at night after work at the record store i was already by then a couple years deep into this weird pursuit playing drums, copying lyrics out to hang them in my room. And it, it goes on yeah. from there. And like, that's not to say all the lyrics are like that, but there's a lot but, of stanzas where it's like, yeah, man, you're really just 
describing a huge chunk of your life. <laughs> and he is actually, I, I know exactly the part you're talking about. He is kind of singing that bit too. And it, you know, I'm like, could you just like have spoken this to me if you wanted me to know this? <laughs> like, yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it's really beautiful. It's similar. It's really pretty, but it is so specific. Um, and then in other parts, it's so vague too that like, right. You know, he talks about like, him feeling like his life is a waterfall where it's crashing and ending. And I'm like, wow, that's a, this really beautiful metaphor that anyone can relate to. And then he's like giving you the personal history of his band and his formation coming up. It's an interesting choice on his part. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. And then like, it's even like he plays in defense of himself. Cause like mm-hmm. in the song, he talks about his own vague lyrics. Yeah. Like he talks about when I was 17, I sang in the moment romantically grasping in the dark and he'll like he'll in quotes like put some of these lyrics that he said i think the big one it ends with is there's no end yeah he talks about how he's fascinated with this lyric there's no end and that is actually how it ends and you know that is an interesting thing to me or to me that was the most interesting concept he gave throughout this work um he earlier before he talks about that and i don't know if i can find it in this massive block of it's text a lot of lyrics it's a lot of lyrics yeah um, a lot I'm, of lyrics. I'm trying to find it to read it here if i can if i can figure out where it is but he um he talks about seeing a band and i can't remember which band it is um yeah um um but he says they played this one chord on stage for 15 minutes talks about how he became obsessed with the pursuit of eternity in music that he could like tape organ keys down right yeah and he could play like one chord on the guitar and feed it back so much through his amp that it would just like fade into forever and i thought wow that's a really interesting and you know maybe it's because i'm a musician and it's because like i am fascinated by a lot of that shoegaze stuff that he's kind of talking about (laughs) that i'm like yeah, I can see that being like you really see the pursuit of his life is spent in this one goal of like he doesn't care if the music yeah. is good or bad. It's just how massive and how um, ethereal can he make it, you know? And uh, yeah, yeah, that was the most moving part of of the song to me, I think. Um, and then to end, it yeah, that with, is really beautiful. Yeah, and then to end it with "There's no end." And like you said, he's kind of obsessed with this lyric. And I'm like, yeah, there, like, there, is, there is no end. Like, I expected this no to end. pick up again and keep going. Um, yeah. Both literally and figuratively. Yeah. It, And that's interesting. I don't know if you uh, – or I don't know if this is correct history is what I should say. But I read a little bit about this that he spoke on this track or this album, whatever it is. <laughs> And um, yeah, <laughs> he talked about how he recorded this acoustic guitar riff that starts for the first seven minutes of the song on the first guitar he ever owned. And he said it's a riff that he's had in his head since he started me- making music. And he never oh, wow. knew. Oh, wow. I like, didn't hear that. Yeah. And he never knew like how to fully express it. 
and he never like put wow. it into anything he did with microphones and so this for him was like finally getting that song that he had heard in his head for you know the last three decades of his career yeah out there into the world and that's what this is like meant to represent to him um and i thought that yeah, was i kind really of buy cool. that i definitely buy it's... it it fits with the lyrics with what he's talking about you know yeah I, I'm very curious what hardcore fans of Phil Everham would think of this because even though like it does ask a lot and it is it, it's like very entirely self-based I I think like there are some of these kind of he like reaches for these generalizations yeah. about life and humanity and the nature of art and stuff like that but I think a lot of it is similar to his other work in terms of it being personal so i'm curious like how his fans would look at it like this could be his magnum opus i mean yeah. it's a pretty awesome piece of work yeah it's a cool piece of work it's a pretty old project but for me it's i mean i see it a little more literally i enjoy it a lot but it's yeah. like it's not a traditional album like i wouldn't really yeah you know i can't compare something else i'd just like turn on like i love this how dense this three minute song is like this yeah. is 45 minutes and like most of it like i would say once certain effects wear off like mm -hmm. you are listening to similar music yeah you are for and sure the story continuing mm -hmm. yeah yeah i uh you know i really enjoyed it and i it was really fun the second time i listened to it i think i told you you know the first time i didn't watch the video as it was going through and the second time I took it and I threw it up on my TV with my big speakers and I just watched the picture book go by as, you know, he was doing it. And that was a really yeah. cool thing to experience. And it's something I will never experience again the same way. Um, because yeah. I just will never throw it back up on my TV to just sit and stare at it for 45 minutes, probably. Yeah. Um, so, like, I could see me putting this on in the background while I'm, like, doing writing or while I'm studying or something like that but it wouldn't have the same effect on me as it had the first time. Like once the first time, first and second, technically for me, time came and went, I'm like, wow, this is really beautiful. And this is like, I can't imagine the work that he put in to create this thing. Yeah. Like, you know, each individual change in these passages for over the course of 45 minutes, like I would get extremely done with this very quickly if I was trying to record this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but, but that like sense of him chasing eternity and that pursuit, I don't think I'll ever hear that again, unless I were to sit down and intentionally try to hear that again. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think it's like, it asks definitely mm -hmm. for you yeah. to sit down and watch the whole work and the pictures are like, it's like a slide. It's like a real life slideshow. Like he basically kind of every time, like it's like every four beats. Yeah. He'll just like put out a new picture, but it's like over 800 pictures that he took of like himself and his family. So it's like, he's narrating his real life with this song. And it's kind of just crazy. Like how personal it is. Yeah. It's wild. Um, and I thought at first when watching it, I thought, these were just kind of generic pictures for the first like seven minutes because they were mostly nature pictures and right. pictures and stuff. And then I began to realize, yeah. Oh my gosh, he took all these pictures. He's like in some of them and you see him like grow up and stuff. And like, then I was like super fascinated by that idea. Um, it's like, it's just super bold. Yeah. It's like, very, it's bold. a very, it's like, like, I don't know what he would do 
to like go deeper than this yeah he's being so meta <laughs> yeah this is like like peak meta i think and i don't know what you i don't know what from his standpoint if i was looking at this he's 45 years old now i don't know what i would possibly record and put out into the world that would not necessarily top this but be more advantageous than this i i can't imagine something being more insane than this yeah it's yeah it's i mean who knows what he'll come up with next but it, yeah it's definitely like you can't like this concept really been brought like as far as it can yeah like revealing yourself in a public way like this it's like wow and it's great and it's beautiful but as far as yeah my personal taste it's like i don't know i mean I could definitely take a little bit more variety. And like, I do think the, the personal stories maybe have their limits. It's, yeah. it's kind of interesting. Like maybe he's making parts of it up, but well, I don't know. And that's the thing <laughs> that I was thinking about as this was going through too. I think maybe the most interesting part in that respect is like, you are getting his side of the story, but you're getting what he wants yes. to tell you. And, like, I was reading exactly, yeah. <laughs> some history on him and stuff, and, like, I thought it was interesting that he chose not to include anything about his wife who passed away several years yeah. ago. Because he wrote a whole album about yeah. that. And, I, and then I began to think, you know, continuing along those lines, like, well, he has this very romantic version of the past, but what else is there? Obviously, he's not giving me every second of his life, right? And yeah, yeah. Know, any scientist would say we don't even remember our lives the same way as we think we do when you know we look back on them. Yes, yeah. So it's interesting to get his side of the story in that. And I guess my consumerist American brain goes, I want to see yeah. everybody else's side of the story in this too, and that will never happen. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Like maybe that's what I almost wish yeah like because it is so meta and literally maybe that's what i wish it did is it's like again this is like i think he does this a lot like i think he actually like he has a crow looked at me but he has like i think at least two more albums that are like almost entirely about his wife passing away yeah and that and is uh, a huge event to leave out of this yeah this work. it is like that feels intentional that yeah. he didn't mention that. it feels like it's a it's like a very personal piece of work, but it's it's mostly personal in the sense of like him and his relationship with music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like yeah. I think he does maybe reference some personal relationships, but it's kind of like I was young and I was obsessed with music. Now I'm this old. You know, where yeah. am I at now? <laughs> what what so am I doing now? Yeah, but it's pretty bizarre. But yeah, I think there's like a limit to the pathos here. Is it's like, well, I also. I think I have a very interesting relationship with music. I mean, he's more accomplished than I am. I'm not doubting his skills. <laughs> For but sure. It's, like, it's kind of a, it's just kind of interesting. Like, yeah. I, I find it very, you know, it could be very divisive, I think. Like, mm -hmm. I'm kind of open to however he wants to represent himself. But I think a lot of people could easily just be like, eh. It's, I mean, you're just talking about yourself. <laughs> yeah, but it's also ballsy to do this, too, to recount his personal history in the way he does. And, and sometimes some people around him that he's talking about don't look like the great... Like, his parents don't look like the greatest people. Because my 
coming out out of this and you know yeah i know just from my own personal uh, release of music in in ways that i've done personally if i've ever like mentioned someone by name like he i think downright lists a couple people by name in this like it's always yeah i didn't remember he did but it's always strange and awkward and i'm doing it on a much smaller scale than he is i can't imagine i mean it's ballsy to put out something this um uh this rec- recounting this much about other people and himself too um yeah like <laughs> it's interesting he's like it's kind of like he is talking his own career down by like yeah just making it sound very simple and literal but it's like he's also ta- i mean it's just interesting cuz he's just ta- he is talking about himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so i mean i really enjoyed this project and i thought man other people need to listen to this because this is really good and it's important and cool and um but also i think once you've listened to it you've listened to it like it's um i'm not sure yeah i agree much value in going back to it yeah there's kind of like i think there are like special moments that are almost like a climax i want to return to yeah but like, I, I don't know that I would sit down and listen to the intro with, like, just the guitars. Yeah. And I, I love it, but I I could loop any 30 seconds of it. It's right, the same. Right. <laughs> and I think, you know, well, I think it's really brave of him to put it out in this 45-minute one-track version. Part of me wishes that there was some separation there so that I could go back and find some of those bits that I really enjoyed easier instead of, you know having to ju- like jump and scan through one yeah. YouTube video's worth of, of stuff. Um, yeah, it's interesting, because like, that's definitely just... I think he knows he's putting everyone in that situation. Yeah. Like This kind of is just one big thing that it's not really an album. Yeah, it's just kind of deal with it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that yeah. too. And I mean, more, more power to him as the artist. For sure. But, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting work. I just think like everybody who sits down and watches it would definitely definitely have a lot to think about it like it definitely yeah. stuck with me for a day or two like really yeah. it's like sitting down to watch a really good movie it, it definitely was like a lot of food for thought yeah for sure yeah it is it is really like watching a movie and i know for a lot of people that sitting down and watching him just lay pictures is a lot to ask and then listening to what he's saying too you know, I know that that is a lot to ask you to do to sacrifice 45 minutes of your time, but I really think you should do it if if you think you can make it through it because it's it's well worth that experience, I think. Yeah, I would say if if you're a fan of rock music, especially art rock leaning music or you have any interest in like visual media, mm-hmm. uh definitely sit down and watch it. It's a really interesting experience. And if you're not familiar with Phil Everham at all, like I definitely think it'll lead you to check out some of his other stuff. Yeah. And you'll be, you'll become familiar with him through this. You, you kind of have to. You'll you'll feel like you'll know a lot about him. Yeah. Yeah, You'll feel like you'll know more about him than pretty much any other artist that we've talked about today. (laughs) Yes. That's yeah. It's very true. Oh shoot. But yeah. Um, Great pick, Steven. That was really, really cool. 
unique thing. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't have anything else. Steven, you, how you feel? Yeah. I think we're all good to wrap up here. All right. Uh, you know, these were all good albums. I mean, yeah. I guess we can't really like rate the tracks on microphones 2020. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I do think it was a really good release. It was definitely the least traditional of the things we talked about today. For but... sure. And I think too, just, just viewing it from like a, I'll be interested to see in several years from now, how this album is looked at. I shouldn't even call it an album. How yeah. this track is, how this work is looked at. If it, it gets any kind of like widespread notoriety of, of any any kind and like how it's received by his fans too in that process yeah um, oh yeah definitely you know it'll be interesting to see if this is you know paving the way for anything in the future um yeah, yeah. i'm curious too it's a very singular work it is very singular yeah <laughs> yeah um sweet all right well thank you guys for listening to us and checking us out um we hope that this uh, broadens your music taste a little bit. It should if you're um, if you're going back and listening to any of this stuff. And uh, we will see you guys next time for our October edition. We will see you then. 